Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. The final week of Nintendo Month. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Today's episode is really exciting. Uh, for the past few weeks, we've focused on uh, the recent remake to The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. Last week, we did a spotlight on Toru Minikishi. A couple did weeks a ago, Mario episode. Yeah, we did a, a episode on the entire uh, Super Mario series, and it was really fun having Marty back on the podcast. Carl, what's our topic for today? We're doing another spotlight, and this is another recent Nintendo game. It came out this past summer, I believe, this past July. This is Fire Emblem Three Houses. I can't wait. Uh, legendary, at least on this podcast, composers Hiroki Morishita and mm-hmm. Rai Kondo return uh, for this installment in the Fire Emblem series. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, we've we've done an episode on, at least at the time, you know, all the games in the Fire Emblem series. But for me, uh, where it starts becoming classic is actually with Fire Emblem Awakening. Couldn't agree more. Um, that... The fantastic first, 3ds score. yeah the first uh, morishita and kondo score in the series and takeru kanazaki was also he's actually the lead composer for this score so he can, collaborated with those other two fine gentlemen and uh, kanazaki uh was involved in the score to fates and so we've heard all of these composers work before kind of the structure and how they approached this score was definitely similar to fates as far as there's one main theme uh, and we're going to hear it pretty pretty soon here and it's a vocal theme and they took that melody and they i would say at least half of the pieces of music in the entire score evoke that melody and kind of play around with it uh, and that was heavily done in fates and they, and they do that here in three houses so yeah this should be really fun i know a lot of you are a really big fan of this game and the score and are excited for this um some of you speculated that we would do this 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 month so this is going to be fun will what are your thoughts on the musical style and maybe what you enjoyed in the score to awakening versus fates um, well, what I got out of Fates was just how evocative and beautiful and sophisticated all of the music sounded. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, you know, not every track featured real performance, but there were mm-hmm. quite a few that had gorgeous performances. Um, I, I think the the two soundtracks were a little different, but both of them in terms of a similarity that they have. And I think it's something interesting because the Fire Emblem series, just in my opinion, is not one that has like a really rich musical legacy. So mm-hmm. I kind of think these two composers, uh, at least for Awakening, used the opportunity to just write great music and a lot of it seems to be in the style of a lot of like japanese film music or anime yes that's very true um some of the comedic elements some of the lightness of the orchestration Mm -hmm. is definitely and the fact that there's this sort of vocal led main theme yeah i think that's a great point um like i said i do think that the score to three houses definitely has more in common with fates than awakening for me, I was slightly disappointed listening to the score just because I was expecting a specific style of music that I've come to know, especially from Morishida. And I will say that the direction uh, that they went with with this score is very different. It's a very different style. It's a little bit more atmospheric. Uh, there are a lot of moments of intensity, sheer intensity. Similar to Fates and I think even Awakening, there's a lot of these pieces of music that have two versions of them. For example, there's a piece we're playing today, Tearing Through Heaven, 
just for an example. We're playing the rain version, but immediately following that is the thunder version. And it happens for a lot of these pieces. And basically, it's taking that theme and it's just amping it up with an excessive amount of taiko drums uh, just to make it really bombastic. I, I actually wasn't a big fan of those thunder pieces. I thought they were maybe a little bit too excessively intense. Um, and so we're going to be playing some rain pieces today, as well as there's going to be some beautiful romantic themes. Like Will said, some kind of more comedic, lighter themes. This is going to be a great playlist. Yeah, and uh, Carl mentioned those thunder themes, but uh, mm-hmm. at least the last few Fire Emblem games have sort of, um, in, in terms of the soundtracks, have that aspect of Mm -hmm. there's a melody and then there's a more intense amped up presentation of that melody for sure in the past it's been uh the inclusion of more i guess rock elements yeah yeah Um, there's there's a little bit of that today where we might hear some drum kit mixed with orchestra uh one thing that i again was slightly disappointed with the score was that there was compared to awakening and fates way less real performance unfortunately i would mm-hmm. say about 85 to 90 percent honestly of the score was uh virtual instruments so that was something that i was a little disappointed with but having said that it's a great score and this is a great playlist here of the best of the best what you guys heard playing in was a really nice pretty thing the officers academy and that was actually one of the tracks we do have confirmation that was composed by takeru kanazaki most of these we have no idea so far uh let's move on on to the main theme of the game. This is a beautiful theme. It's called The Edge of Dawn, uh, parentheses, Seasons of Warfare. It's the main theme to Three Houses, and we're going to do something slightly controversial. <laughs> we're going to play the Japanese version of this theme, which I prefer. To me, it's a little bit less distracting um, than the English version. So let's take a listen to that. Uh, this is actually performed by singer Karo, and again, composed by Takeru Kanazaki. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to the main theme of Fire Emblem Three Houses. This is composed by lead composer Kanazaki, performed by Karo, who's a different vocalist than obviously the English. I will say this, that the English vocalist I think is is actually better. No offense to Karo. I think her voice is amazing. I just, again, I have some issues with uh, the way that the lyrics are maybe presented and kind of scrunched together in this melody. So I actually yeah, do prefer I mean, this Japanese version. And I think... Um 
whether a song is written with music and lyrics by the same person or split uh, music and lyricist, I do think when a song exists in one language, it's best to listen to it in its original language. I would agree. Because um, the the specific rhythmic patterns of that language are very associated to the types of rhythms that are used when composing a melody and so Mm -hmm. like uh, sometimes what i find with uh japanese songs that have been translated into english is they're very wordy oftentimes like the scansion doesn't quite line Mm. up and the stresses but even beyond that um so often the lyrics so many words and they're trying to relatively translate the meaning of the japanese words and sometimes that some of the details get lost in translation Translation and they end up just sounding like I think a that did happen in this. I will say that for most of it, it actually did work quite well, and you guys should listen to it if you haven't heard it. So, if I would say the A section of the melody, I think actually works very well in the English version. It wasn't until that B section when I had some moments where it was a little bit awkward. And when I when I heard this Japanese version, I just liked it more because I can just enjoy the music, and for me, there's not that level of distraction. Um, and so, yeah, this this is the version that I prefer. But yeah, it's a great theme. It's a theme we're going to hear a lot today. And if you listen to the score, really, I will say at least half of the tracks uh, evoke this theme. They use it so much. And, and if we just take a look at our playlist today, we're playing, guys, uh, 19 tracks today. And nine out of those 19 evoke this theme. Yeah, uh, that's that's really exciting. I mean, I, I it's a well-trod um, path of having kind of... The, whether it's light motif or theme and variation, the idea of a central motif or theme that um, gets manipulated mm-hmm. and used throughout a score. It's, There's a couple things I want to talk about about this theme before I move on, but I was surprised that the B section was actually what was used more in the score. That's actually used more heavily to me than, than the A section uh, part of the theme. Will, what, was your, what is your thought of the production of this? I know a lot of people were really excited and a fan of this interesting fusion of, I guess I would say, modern electronic with pop and orchestra. What did you think? Yeah. Uh, in general, that idea, I think, is kind of cool. Um, in terms of the specifics of how this track actually comes across in the overall production of it, I can't say that I completely love it. Um, mm. I like the idea of blending genres or taking something that compositionally maybe evokes one style mm-hmm. and then in production does something else. In principle, I like that. Right. But there's a quality of this that felt a little bit needy. It felt like it was like really trying to be cool and hip and flashy and like sexy and different. Mm-hmm. And that's not really like an energy that I find myself like really I respect enjoying. that like I, I, I definitely respect that I enjoy the confidence of in why I love so much Japanese video game music is sometimes it doesn't seem all that concerned with like being cutting edge or relevant and like mm-hmm. we got to do what's you know this is 2019 move over like w- one of the things I love about video game music is that it can sort of be timeless and be well, its own thing I think it's a little ironic I do think there was a lot of effort put in to make this a hip theme and i will say that the fates theme i think is going to stand the test of time more than than this theme which is kind of interesting i mean i don't think that's ironic at all i think that's like just that happens so many times through history stuff Mm -hmm. that seems like relevant in modern when it comes out a few years later is dated and right you know like snow white and the seven dwarves is like timeless and maybe that wasn't was another issue i had with the english version is uh 
I'm used to hearing that kind of thing happen in Japanese music, you know, anime music, video game music. And so I kind of accepted that more. Sure. Whereas hearing that in the English version, something was just out of place, maybe. Uh, let's move on to a piece of music that could be composed by any one of these people, Kanazaki, Morishita, or Kondo. Let's take a listen to this. It's called Respite and Sunlight from Three Houses. <laughs> good theme this is respite and sunlight i love the groove of this it's very playful and i love how they use the main theme uh they take it and they twist it uh to really make it its own and i think uh first time listening to the score i think there could have been some people that maybe didn't notice that it was using that theme Uh, i was specifically looking out for that those those moments of callbacks and so um i was really kind of on my toes but yeah this this is a great way to explore this kind of background music style of of uh, Three Houses. Very playful. Does this does I will say this does remind me a little bit of some of the energy of Awakening. Sure. Well, one of the things that I really do love about the sort of Japanese, whether you call it film music, anime, that style of having that sort of central oftentimes vocal song theme mm-hmm. that gets arranged is so often you can tell these were pieces that were composed melody first right. not lyrics first or even melody and lyrics at the same time often um, like look at the Studio Ghibli films and mm-hmm. so much of Joe Hisaishi's theme like take the theme to Spirited Away One Summer's Day it's very clear that that was written um, instrumentally first and then lyrics yeah. were added to it same with Laputa or anything from Princess Mononoke you can kind of tell yeah and the way that he uses those themes in the film are much like uh, you know the traditional style of leitmotif and film scoring Mm -hmm. and we definitely get that approach here what I think is fun is by having a song with lyrics I I do think it's a way of putting that melody and putting that theme front and center and making it almost like a theme song in a television show well what's a little different about the approach of these at least these recent Fire Emblem scores is it's not the traditional leitmotif where you have five or six themes that will be evoked different times. It's basically this one theme sure. that they're just heavily evoking throughout it, the entire it, score. Again, it reminds me of television, though. You think mm-hmm. about something like The Simpsons and all yeah, the different ways that Alf Clausen would twist Danny's theme in terms of every scene, entrance, and yeah. exit. When they're sad, you hear The Simpsons theme. That's when they're true. happy, when it's buoyant, when it's comic. There's so many different variations on that theme. 
Okay, let's move on. That's that's a great piece. So this is another very relaxing, pretty piece of music. This is A Gentle Breeze. Let's take a listen. nice arrangement of the main theme this is a gentle breeze from three houses and again no idea who composed this one uh, we don't have the crediting yet released i hope that we get that eventually um i feel pretty confident in this playlist i tried to you know i went through the whole score and i did my rating system i tried to you know whittle out the best music uh of the score um it was interesting a lot of that a lot of what i considered the best music were arrangements of the main theme sure yeah, I mean, I think it seems to be a central character in the score. Mm-hmm. What's fun is listening to these tracks, you can hear um, it's so different stylistically from the presentation of that main theme, mm-hmm. not just in terms of production, you know, those electronic sounds, but harmonically and just in terms of mood. Um, it's something that isn't specific to this theme or this melody. It's kind of this wonderful quality about music in general and something that I think a lot of people don't quite understand. I think when you hear a song or you hear a piece of music, um, for the most part, you might just take it as a complete entity and think, mm-hmm. okay, that's this thing, and then what's something else? But you know, if you've ever watched any of those sort of popular clickbaity YouTube videos where someone's like doing the same song in a hundred different right. styles, and they do it like Motown, and they do it like Ragtime, and they do it in a classical waltz, or they play it like Beethoven or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's so many things like that, and the reason you can do that is because there are so many discrete. Uh, ways of altering a piece of music. A melody is just one thing. It's just a string of notes. Mm-hmm. But you can color that melody in an infinite number of ways in terms of harmony and then orchestration and rhythm and meter and all those and things. And this score is one of the best examples of how to do that. You know, we should mention that this is... this track isn't just an arrangement it starts off with an original melody Mm -hmm. so most of this piece is new and original it's not until that final section when they evoke the main theme b section but again it's with different chords they do alter the notes of the melody too um and so yeah that's just really really delightful i'm a really big fan of some of the early pieces of music uh in the score particularly let's move on to one of my favorites uh again i don't have an idea of track of the week we'll probably have to decide it as we go this is definitely one of them it's so relaxing and peaceful and it's to me the most definitive version of this main theme i think it's great let's take a listen to life at garrig mock monastery 
so nice. You guys are listening to Life at Garrig Mach Monastery, is how I'll pronounce it. And this is one of the pieces that we know is composed by Takeru Kanazaki. This is so beautiful. And we do have some uh, real performers that are credited in this score, and so it's possible that on a few pieces such as this, we might actually have real woodwinds. Uh, the real instruments that are credited, uh, violin, cello, trumpet, oboe, clarinet, soprano, and tenor. Uh, Again, I think that that's a small minority of the pieces that that have uh, those players. But uh, yeah, I I love this track. This is one of the first that I heard when I was going through the Sound Selection album uh, earlier, you know, this this past summer. Uh, And I actually played a really beautiful piece that's still probably one of my favorites from the score that we'll get to on the show and tell, if you remember. Um, And yeah, I just, I was, and that also has a little bit of that B section of the main theme in it. I just think this is so peaceful. And this is a a track that kind of holds up to the legacy that these fine composers have established in the previous games. I really do like the sound of the electronic drums here. I I love it. It it, it complements the energy here. It's very lighthearted and there's something playful about it. Um, Mine's, it said you, it reminded you of Galaxy a little there's, bit. Yeah, there's something about it. It makes me think of like a bonus stage in a Mario game in terms of the way those electronic drums are combined with this almost like 1930s Disney-ish harmony. I was struck by that. jazzy sequences. Yeah, the first time I heard it this summer, I, I remember I even mentioned it on our show and tell. I really liked that, that uh, combination. It was really cool. So yeah, that's a very successful piece of music. We'll consider that maybe for track of week. Let's keep going. Uh, This next piece we're going to play is one of the rain themes. And again, I personally wasn't a big fan of the thunder theme, so I don't think we'll hear uh, that today, Um, but that's okay. Let's take a listen to Blue Skies and a Battle Rain. Good action music. You guys are listening to Blue Skies and a Battle Rain. And if you think this is intense, listen to the Thunder version of this because there's just so many Tycho drums. It's it's almost, for me, hard to listen to. Uh, but yeah, this is great. I really am a fan of the fusion sound they came up with, for especially for the action music. The incorporation of that electronic drum beat, I think, works surprisingly well. And it feels modern and fresh and quirky and perfect for an RPG. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of this. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I think there's like a cerebral quality about having those electronic sounds, which I think hmm. works for the style of gameplay in a Fire Emblem game. Yeah. I think if this were in a traditional action game, it would probably actually take me out of it. You but think? There's, there's something about 
the strategic aspect of, I think, these Fire Emblem games mm -hmm. that allow the music to sort of not... Not it's not the bending genre. It has thing. to have a dual. It's more purpose, the like yeah. making it contemporary. And when you hear drum sounds like that, to me, the whole point of that is to make you pay attention. Like all these things come from pop music that's trying to be mm -hmm. hard hitting and punchy and be as loud as possible. So it's not necessarily the best choice for like subtle music in the background. Well, what I love about Fire Emblem action music, and I think you were touching on it, Will, is. There are elements of it that remind you of Call of Duty music or more typical kind of action video game score or film score, especially with maybe some of the taiko drums and the blasting rhythms. But this the music is a little bit more sensitive and emotional than that music would be, and I think that is what makes it feel at home for a JRPG. Mm -hmm. uh, it, some of the actual lines that are happening in the orchestra here, the virtual orchestra, are very beautiful and emotional and, and not something that we would get in a Call of Duty game. Sure. You know, with, a, with Call of Duty music, you would just get those blasting rhythms and kind of those surface level exciting, um, you know, background elements. And that's pretty much all you'd get. Whereas this, there is kind of this dual focus. Yeah. I mean, I do think one of the downsides of that can be the sort of cognitive dissonance, mm -hmm. um, which I think it, it doesn't always work just to take you know a lime and a coconut and mix it all together <laughs> sometimes you know a lime is best just being a lime and a coconut's <laughs> best brilliant you know I, I mean but i i think there's elements of this blending that works but at the same time i could understand you know if you're looking at like a a modern western soundtrack and look to its approach of electronic music i'm sure there's much less exciting or different um things happening musically or harmonically but i imagine in terms of an aesthetic level there probably aren't as many instances of like oh that's kind of weird or that's kind of cheesy yeah, i think with this score at least there's varying levels of success especially if you just talk about the action pieces there's a lot of these rain and thunder themes and some of them work very well uh some of them are my favorite in the score and i'm excited to get to uh and then other ones um feel maybe a little bit less inspired less successful uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's interesting to, to note. Let's move on to another piece from the score. This is called Somewhere to Belong. So beautiful. One of my favorites in the score. You guys are listening to Somewhere to Belong, and we're of the opinion this is probably either a Morishita or Kondo 
composition. Uh, some beautiful solo cello mixed with piano. I don't know about you, Will, and maybe it's just getting that time of year, but this kind of felt a little bit like a Christmas song at times. Yes, I think <laughs> the the use of very sparkly harmony, some yeah. of those half-diminished chords and those beautiful voicings. Love the harmonies. Uh, especially the, the use of sort of open fifths in the mm-hmm. high octave on the piano. It has that sort of percussive, chimey, sparkly cold, quality. Cold, yeah. but but warm it's chilly yeah <laughs> yeah this is really beautiful well is this maybe your favorite so far yes because i really like the melody i love the cello performance and i like the color of the harmony mm-hmm. every moment seems to be accentuated by by some bit of dissonance or unexpected shift uh and I mean, we've talked before, one of the things that we love, say, about a composer like Koji Kondo, which is that he has this sort of restraint in harmony in that Mm -hmm. he'll only use colorful chords when absolutely necessary. In general, that's something that I really appreciate. But then this is almost the other side. And I do really like this sort of Mm -hmm. approach, too, where every single chord has something out of the ordinary about it and not in necessarily a distracting way but it's just when a melody lands at a place of seeming resolution that tends to be the time where they'll throw a really spicy flavor that's outside of the chord it's, or it's very entertaining all the way through yeah, there's a there's lot of to love here non-functional slash chords yeah a lot to like dig that. into I, my favorite thing about this piece is that it doesn't evoke the main theme. It's all original here. I would say that this the process of listening to this whole score, I wish there would have been more music that wasn't just evoking that main theme uh, and wished, you know, more strong new melodies, I guess. This was one of them that really blew me away. And so, yeah, let's definitely strongly consider this for Track of the Week. That was Somewhere to Belong. Beautiful piece of music. Let's move on. This next piece we're playing is called As Swift as Wind. guys are listening to as swift as wind uh, and i'm a really big fan of this there's a couple of pieces that have this palette with kind of more of an acoustic drum kit uh playing a really fast kind of breakbeat style this one you also have electric bass very funky with orchestra um yeah it's it's cheesy uh, i think anytime we we have that combination uh most of the times to, to us i think it's going to be cheesy uh this one definitely is but it's a great piece of music i love the melodies and i really do love what the rhythm section is playing i think this is a, this is a cool track yeah i guess to me 
I, I just, I think there are so few examples of the kind of orchestra electronic fusion thing that doesn't become dated or mm-hmm. doesn't end up sounding That's cliche. That's very true. And when you hear people nowadays trying to bite that off, thinking that it's like bold and new, I have this feeling of like, we'll come back in five years and be laughing. I wonder if for uh, Japanese game and anime composers, that's not even what they're thinking because it's so prevalent. It might just be one of the sounds that is just traditional at this point. Sure. I guess for them. What I I think about, though, is uh, if you look at... uh, you know, we both love Laputa, Castle in the Sky, mm-hmm. and the great music by Joe Hisaishi. Uh, but, you know, in, I think it was the early 2000s or maybe the, the late, late 90s, um, he, they re-released the film. This is after Disney bought it. And he wrote all sorts of new music and reorchestrated the entire score. Yeah. And it's interesting, in the original film, there's so many kind of 80s synths and electronic elements. And when he redid the score, he basically minimalized he minimized almost all of those with mm-hmm. the exception of a couple and he just switched it to more traditional orchestration because I think he had probably learned that you know while this sounded cool at the time yeah it doesn't age very well and yep. yes I could update it to make it modern sounds but then that's not going to age well like I, I think there's something um, that music in its time I think does age in a charming way if you just did electronic music I think that would be really cool but there's I hear a what thing you're saying. when you try to blend it with this pre-established thing like the orchestra there's something cliche about it because the orchestra is holding it back from being genuinely sort of cutting edge and hip and, vice and the versa. electronic music is holding it back from being that's timeless. an interesting challenge and I, again i do agree with you that most of the times that we hear that particular mixture it does feel a little bit out of place or cheesy sure. or something that, that doesn't being hold said, up. I really like the music. This is a I good piece of music. Yeah, it's well written. Like you said, the percussion stuff is really cool and interesting. The um, bass playing is, it might be virtual bass, yeah, but the it's melodies are really funky. nice. It's it's a lovely piece of music. I just And um, we're going to hear yeah. that palette come back uh, in some a- more action music to come. Let's move on to a nice uh, playful piece of music called People of the Marketplace. guys are listening to people of the marketplace a nice modal piece of music very playful kind of ethnic um yeah this is this is nice yeah a lot of this music strikes me in this place in this one in particular of being pleasant mm-hmm. um yes it's not, good background music yeah it not really ever 
traversing into a level of like anything in this that would be memorable or that I might necessarily even just want to listen to on its own. Yeah, I will say that this is an example of uh, quite a bit of tracks in this score um, where I liked it. Like you said, it was pleasant. I definitely, as listening, you know, listening through to it, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if I have a whole lot I would need to say about this, Sure, but it's nice, and it made the cut because it's a nice piece. Well, it's interesting. I was just talking about, you know, the orchestra and things being timeless, but this is actually an example of a piece that, to me, is more boring than it needs to be because of the orchestration. Hmm. I think this composition might actually be better suited for some folk instruments or that something cool. non-traditional. Mm-hmm. Like maybe let's get some electronic elements in I here. I totally agree with um, you on that. Because it's so stylistically of a genre. Mm-hmm. Not, I feel like you either need to lean into it or lean out of it. And this is sort of safe, cutesy, again, virtual instrument <laughs> orchestration yeah. just makes it feel sort of stock in public domain. I agree. It's very pleasant. It's not there's nothing like I would criticize about it. It just doesn't, you know, I mean, especially we just did that, uh, Toru Minigishi episode and there's <laughs> so many outstanding melodies and ideas. And we did that Mario episode and the, you know, you, you mm-hmm. have that kind of caliber of music on the mind. Well, let's move on to my personal favorite piece of music in the score. And it's interesting because it is that track that I brought in on show and tell that I found on the sound selection album. And who would have thought that, uh, after listening to the whole thing, this is still my favorite on the score and it evokes the main theme i think just the b section of the main theme and the c section probably of this track later on it's very beautiful and romantic this is the night of the ball has got to be track of the week. I mean, I may feel a little silly because, you know, we explored this whole score and we've already played this on the podcast and it would have been nice to feature a new piece as track of the week. But what can we say? This is the best. Uh, this is the night of the ball. And I saw months ago that someone was crediting this to Morishita, which I would concur with. Sounds a lot like Hiroki Morishita. Beautiful new melodies here. The best version of that B section ever. I love the chord changes, the modulations. So beautiful and romantic. Uh, This is what I want for Fire Emblem music. Yeah, this is just gorgeous. I mean, real performance too. If we didn't uh, dub this track of the week, I think we'd have to hand in our microphones and (laughs) turn over our 
any sort of authority that we'd have on this platform because I mean <laughs> this is like yeah I mean everything that we love about video game music I will it's say timeless that... it's gorgeous it's melodic it evokes an older era but mm-hmm. it, within it is um, it's not just a pastiche it there's uses, more than that it uses a lot of jazz harmony yet the overall style is sort of this romantic era waltz and that's the thing that i love about game music is that you can kind of lean into one style yet have elements of another it has its foot in, t- in someone in like at least two different places and how it really naturally moves into the b section of the main theme is great um in this waltz presentation yeah and i will say that having the real this is one of the very very few pieces of music that has a real solo violin performance and that does go a long way right and just even having that double the virtual instrument strings Mm -hmm. definitely goes a long way god that's pretty well there you go guys that was this week's track of the week it's a gorgeous melody and it's a lovely orchestration i also appreciate having some of those real players it uh, sonically, there's sort of a different sound to the space and the sound of the reverb and everything. Where when you're yeah. just dealing with the virtual instruments, it kind of has that, in my opinion, sort of overly wet sound to cover up the fakeness of the virtual instruments. Which I mean, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. That's mm-hmm. sort of almost what you have to do when you're dealing with for sure. You know, VSTs and things. Well, let's move on to another, I believe, action piece. I feel like any of these rain pieces, to me, seem like they're all action or battle tracks. And again, I haven't played the game, so don't have a lot of knowledge on that. Let's take a listen to Tearing Through Heaven Rain. guys listening to tearing through heaven rain from fire emblem three houses um yeah one of the uh, we were talking a lot today about the technical like implementation and sounds but hey that's kind of where our brain goes as composers um yeah one of the most lacking virtual instrument elements of the score is the brass and unfortunately for at least the action music the brass is almost always used as like the melody sure um and it does sound like 2004 like well, video game music. You know, it's the the yin and yang. It's the, the light and dark side of what we love about so many, say, Nintendo composers, which is that their emphasis has always been more on, even if you look at gameplay, their, their emphasis is on the substance of the experience, not the flash of it. So it's like yeah. Mario Galaxy is a beautiful looking game. 
that being said, it's a shame that it wasn't released in HD and doesn't have a higher polygon count. But <laughs> that's not where beauty is found. Yeah. And to the same extent, um, I wouldn't necessarily praise any Nintendo composer with having an amazing facility for using virtual instruments. Right. Um, but that's not what the music's about. The music is strong because it's melodic. It's strong because agree. it's well-orchestrated and, and well-arranged. And that's the case with this track. The melody is very strong. And one of the most video gamey melodies on the score. Yeah. When I listened to this, it made me smile because you could hear this on the Super Nintendo yeah. and it would be right at home. And so I'm a big fan of it for that reason. Um, and yeah, I do kind of forgive some of those uh, maybe implementation well, weaknesses. Something that I have to say, I've been so impressed with so many Nintendo soundtracks in the Switch era of I feel like they're, they're adopting, I mean, we even talking about something like Splatoon, adopting mm-hmm. non-traditional sounds and opting for whatever real instruments they can get yeah. as opposed to trying to do an overblown orchestral sound with virtual instruments. Right. And that's where maybe in this new era, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses feels like it drops the ball a little bit, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily have the luxury to just completely switch styles yeah. at this point in the series. But mm-hmm. what I love about something like, look at that game Arms in that mm-hmm. music. Like It had such a completely distinct musical voice. And even just recording some... Uh, you know, voices as the texture. It it makes it feel unique. Having those real elements, you don't. It doesn't require you to be some mastermind with using VSTs and plugins. I mean, it is. It's a difficult challenge when you're starting uh, to think about planning a score to a Fire Emblem game. And there's so many pieces of music that you need. Uh, at the end of the day, for me though, it is a little ironic that uh, if we think about another 2019. Nintendo score, Link's Awakening has probably three to four times as much real performance in it right. as Fire Emblem Three Houses, which but, I mean, is, Zelda, to me, very that's, ironic. That's one of the flagships. I mean, Zelda and Mario games, I think, are always going to have the the biggest priority in terms of like a audio budget. But it is interesting to me that I guess my overall impression now. of like Fire Emblem Awakening on the 3DS, part of it could have been the context of the time and the fact that there was real performance in such sophisticated music at all for a mm-hmm. 3DS game. Um, maybe um, we were almost grading it on a curve, yeah. but I don't think so. What's I mean, so I remember that soundtrack being just jaw-dropping. Awakening doesn't have a whole lot of real performance, but the moments that they do, it really accentuate and kind of... It, it, they're such important pieces that when they do have the real performance, they really stand out in a, in a powerful way. Let's move on to a very happy... This is one of the most playful, happy pieces on the score. This is... Tea Time Joy. Thank you. 
very beautiful waltz here. Very simple, kind of child-friendly. This is Tea Time Joy from Fire Emblem Three Houses, one of the most simple, just overtly happy It reminds me of something pieces. from, like, Pushmo. Oh, yeah, I could see that. I really think that this is always the case, but I feel like um, pizzicato samples are the most realistic of, like, anything you <laughs> anything could ever do with, with virtual short instruments. short attack, but the mm-hmm. reason why pizzicato works so well is that's you know an actual established sound in the orchestra mm-hmm. and because it has such a rich attack and such a fast decay um the, it's not uncommon to hear those transients kind of blum, 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 mm-hmm. or when you try to do that with staccato oboe or clarinet it That's sounds much like harder. someone's just loaded the staccato patch because they know <laughs> if they use legatos it's gonna sound heck yeah. Of fake yeah this this was a nice standout piece of music um just the style and the tone of this is so different from anything else in the score uh, and it does remind me of some of the more kind of pluckier music uh, uh, of the series that these composers, particularly Morshid and Kondo, have well, It's very Nintendo-y, uh, that's mm-hmm. for sure. I was saying to Carl when we were listening to this, um, I don't want to be overly critical of this game because I do think the music is good. At the same time, um, my instinct in terms of uh, giving criticism is I think I tend to be the most critical of music that's very close to hitting the mark. Almost But there. just falls a little bit short because I think that is where we can we can learn from those instances because mm-hmm. it's like clearly these composers are strong. Clearly there's um, great musicianship and beautiful melodies here, uh, but... I have a, the feeling on this score that I have quite often, um, actually, with certain soundtracks that we'll play on the podcast where it's like, everything's good, everything's pleasant, mm-hmm. but there aren't enough instances where the music transcends into that uh, real memorability, something that I would yeah. go home humming. Um, not that that's always the mandate, but if we look in the domain of production, you know, something that really is... Uh, creative, combining different things, yeah. or, or it sounds like something I've never heard before, or really well produced. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and it was the exact reaction I had listening to a lot of this score, and I like that you said it's not the mandate, and we have to be clear about that. It's definitely not the mandate, and this music is incredibly functional, and this piece works perfectly for how how I imagine it would be used in the game. We're just so lucky that so many of these uh, video game composers are so talented that their music does transcend that at times. And this is an example where even if you just talk about this piece, Tea Time Joy, it doesn't quite transcend that right and and it's something that it's like uh, is a it's a big ethic of nintendo is that the music needs to heighten the experience in its video game music first and foremost that being said i do think the role of the composer in the 21st century is to write music for media mm-hmm. and so if we don't hold ourselves to the highest possible standard music itself will sort of um, lesson or dwindle and I mean it never stopped game composers of the past in fact yeah. so many of them were writing above the expectation oh, and yeah. were delivering the most artistically salient thing I mean if you look at games in the 80s and 90s I have no hesitation in saying that the music is the most artistic part of the whole experience I would agree and I don't know that I would say that about most video game music today part of that is because the Everything games have else gotten has come so, so much more immersive and impressive mm-hmm. and visually striking and uh, you know maybe hopefully the caliber of writing in some instances yeah. and there's so many departments um, but I do love those experiences and it's one of the reasons I play a lot of Nintendo games mm-hmm. is like honestly when I'm playing a Zelda game when I'm playing a Mario game 
I still feel like the music is the best part of the experience. And that's saying something because those games are amazing, but (laughs) that's why I think I go to Nintendo so often because I don't have a lot of time to play video games these days, but Mm -hmm. if it can be something that can inspire me musically, I can sort of justify that. That makes sense. (laughs) Let's, Let's move on to a very pretty piece of music. This is Recollection and Regret from Three Houses. Love how vibey we're getting in this piece, and I'm glad we get to show this side. Overall, when you listen to the score, and some of this uh, happens in pieces that we're not able to play today, uh, a lot of atmosphere and immersion and vibiness in the score, and this is a great example of something where it's very strongly melodic and very beautiful, and I love the melody here, and it has a very subtle callback to a cadence of the main theme. You could easily miss it if you weren't paying attention but it's also very atmospheric i love the delay and the echo and kind of the um, more ethereal elements uh, mixed with the the really reverberant orchestral instruments yeah something that i think is a challenge is i really like that main theme i think the melodies are strong Mm -hmm. but i don't i i think again just maybe you'd consider this nitpicking but i think if you're going to write a theme that is going to be arranged throughout the whole score I think you need to be dealing with very pure elemental things that um, almost serve as kind of uh, almost like a doorbell when Mm -hmm. you hear it. Right. So intervals, like a a large interval leap or a specific Mm -hmm. repeated rhythm, you need something that's going to catch your ear. And I think that maybe one criticism that I'd have of that theme is that it's arranged beautifully throughout the score, but I think the melody itself could have been composed in a way that it would be a little bit easier to identify. Cause I think some of the That's efforts fair. to arrange it, um, they would probably go unnoticed because mm-hmm. we talked about the Simpsons theme. Nobody, I swear, <laughs> nobody could ever miss right. when you're hearing the Simpsons theme, no matter what beautiful things Alf Clausen does to it. And mm-hmm. you could say maybe there's something cliche about that, but I think a lot of composers would kill to have a melody that iconic and that yeah. identifiable. And I don't think the the composers in these games intentionally didn't do that. I think that's just a really hard thing to accomplish. Well, and I will say that they achieved that in the Fates main theme. I mean, we've talked mm-hmm. about that Bloodlines cliche repeated melody, but I'm sorry, it is very potent and it, you will not miss that ever. And that's definitely the, the experience listening to the Fates score. Whenever that pops up, it's impossible to miss it. Uh, so that's a fair point. Let's move on to another one of my favorite 
I guess I would say arrangements of the main theme here. This is Unfulfilled. So beautiful. You guys are listening to Unfulfilled, which is one of my very favorite renditions of the main theme. I love that it's instrumental and you get basically all of the, the chunk of the main melody here. Um, it, we have to remind ourselves that we've come a long way with virtual instrument technology. This sounds really beautiful. The overall package of this, uh, so expressive and emotional, and it's crazy to think this is you know all done on a computer. Well, and this is the part of the melody that I think they they should this have the a section they should have used this more because i actually think this is the most identifiable yeah. bit in similar to the fates theme it's about that repetition mm-hmm. um i know that this specific mood isn't appropriate for every situation mm-hmm. um but this is so effective uh the writing is beautiful i i love the um the harmonies here they're not overly complex it's it's very simple yet mm-hmm. they're very sincere and tender this is a tearjerker it this is a piece of music is. i imagine especially having whatever emotional context exists within the game this only is thing i know is that it's gorgeous. used for a cutscene at one point sure <laughs> that's all i can tell you and i'm sure it's very emotional hey, i mean i'm not judging i cry you know at like the end of super mario galaxy uh <laughs> so i mean I just, yeah i'll, I'll no cry judgment. at anything cry away everybody all right let's go back to a couple of back-to-back rain pieces this is chasing daybreak rain You guys are listening to Chasing Daybreak Rain. Uh, we do have a back-to-back rain 
uh, one-two punch here, and I'm very excited for the next uh, piece, uh, Rain. Yeah, this this one is very effective. This is an example of there's a, a lot of this rain music and, and thunder music in the score is is very functional, good background music. I would be curious to hear people's opinions on Discord or uh, comments or social media or email. What you guys think of the thunder arrangements um, on the score. It's possible they're very effective in game. They're so intense. Uh, sure. Will, you should listen to one of them. I remember feeling that way about the, what were they called in? Um, ablaze? Ablaze. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Conquest Ablaze. Yeah. yeah all- Some of those were maybe excessively intense. Yeah, I remember well. that, that same thing. That so must that, be a that's tradition. That's sort of a... Yeah, a tradition in this series. The Fire Emblem games are so interesting because I'm not really a fan of most of the soundtracks going back to the NES and Super Nintendo. I mean, we did that episode, and I remember I'd listen through entire mm-hmm. soundtracks and just be like, there's nothing in here that I would want to play. Sadly, I do agree tracks. with that, yeah. But, but So that's why I, I do have so much respect for these composers because there's not, you know, if you're writing for a Mario game, there's a very rich well to draw from in terms of pre-established melodies mm-hmm. and styles, and I mean, there's so much music. You're writing for a Zelda game. You're writing for so many series that have long long-standing musical traditions fire emblem is interesting because it's a series that's very well established but <laughs> there's not in my opinion a lot of great music to draw from yeah it's interesting you know we're, we're being kind of critical of the score today uh talking about some of the weaknesses but this is still clearly the third best yeah. fire emblem score ever <laughs> in the yeah. whole series and so you should definitely mention that all right i'm very excited for this one this is a rain piece it's called paths that will never cross and it's so cool really cool rhythm surprise surprising rhythms on this let's take a listen to paths that will never cross rain This is a badass piece. This is my favorite rain uh, piece in the whole score. This is Paths That Will Never Cross. Insane rhythms to this. That's kind of doubled with the low strings and the drums. Uh, the melody is is not the most strong on the brass during that that section, but once it gets into the B section and the C section, very strong melodies. I love when the drums go half time. It's this is a cool piece. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of uh, rhythmic interest. To me, the I was so distracted by how I'm sorry, just lame the melody. It was just really melody's lame for the A section yeah. and has just an amateurish quality to it. I don't know. I have experiences a lot where someone will try to like share a piece of music with me, and sometimes you hear this kind of instinct on a melody where it just 
seems to be but going up But it's so weird that the B section is so strong. And yeah. then the C section too. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, but yeah, I wasn't even focusing on that for the for the A section. I was just grooving out to that those really cool rhythms. I also think sometimes when there's a, an interesting uh, atypical meter thing or some interesting rhythmic groove, sometimes it's very hard to write something traditionally melodic yeah. amongst those kinds of things. So sure I, I, I give this a, a pass. Um, but yeah, there's lots of interesting... It, it, it's an eclectic soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you think of all the different sort of places yeah. that we've gone to, and that's one of the blessings of video games is... Mm-hmm. It, whether it's just sort of a culture thing or the nature of the medium itself, um, really video game soundtracks can go anywhere and everywhere. And within one game, you can have things at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Well, let's do that right now. Let's move on to something completely different. This is a standout for sure in the score. Love this. Very beautiful and sensitive. It's Golden Deer and Crescent Moon. guys listening to golden deer and crescent moon beautiful kind of traditional japanese sounding piece from fire emblem three houses i love all of the different instruments we we have here i'm really big fan of the kind of twinkling atmospheric kalimba sounds we have um yeah this is a standout i will say that there's a couple of these pieces where i kind of wished that this would have been more of the common tone for the score like i i kind of need more pieces like this in the score and maybe less less pieces like uh chasing daybreak sure yeah i mean i think everyone goes to something for different and the thing is we don't play the fire emblem games so we <laughs> so await who cares these what we games say. like it's a new album from a band that we like yeah um so i think the thing that you know draws both of us into the music is a specific thing are the melodies and the really sweet and sentimental ballads yeah with the rich kind of jazz harmony and gorgeous playing that's the stuff i mean at least for morishita that is what he is so talented at more than anything in my opinion and what i'll say about kanazaki is uh, what I really started to love and get to know him with the Fates score is beautiful, simple themes like the main theme, but there's that one version of it that I remember it made me cry when we were recording that episode, and it still makes me tear up. Just the beautiful jazz harmony and kind of surprising chromaticism mixed in with uh, such a simple melody. Wait a minute, you cried? <laughs> Loser! <laughs> I remember we recorded that in person. I remember Fates that episode. too. Yeah. You know what's been fun this month? Uh, I think three out of these four 
Nintendo episodes we've recorded in person. Yeah, thanks to my computer crashing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, computer. All right, we have one more piece other than our playout. Let's move on to one last rain track for the day. This is God Shattering Star Rain. This is epic, folks. Very strong, powerful melodies here. This has got to be a final boss theme. It's God Shattering Star Rain. And again, if you think this is epic, listen to the Thunder version. Holy moly. I, you know, I should have included one of them. That was maybe a mistake. I, Overall, I wasn't a fan of them. Um, but it would be interesting to listen to this back to back. Maybe we'll fade in <laughs> the Thunder. We'll see what I feel like when I edit this. But yeah, um, very interesting and surprising to hear that that voice, that operatic voice. I really loved and was um, it kind of made me smile to hear that type of a voice sing Japanese style melodies. Yeah, it's interesting. the 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 quality of his voice doesn't remind me of anything else. I mean, I mean, he's using vibrato, but it definitely doesn't sound like Western classical, like opera. Really, he has a unique voice, that's for sense. sure. But then when he's belting out those high notes, it's like, oh, clearly this guy's got some real mm-hmm. chops. I don't like, however, they mic'd his voice. Like uh-huh. it sounds super roomy and sounds almost like it was recorded on a laptop. Or I wonder something. if they maybe added a lot of verb um, to it. But it's very yeah, th- interesting. This but is yeah, a the great performance in the music. melody is really strong. Powerful. And I also like how um, some of the orchestra cuts out as he's hitting yeah, those high that notes. Cool? There's like a nice interplay between. Uh, the voice and accompaniment, which is a really great technique and actually makes it feel more epic. Kind of ironic mm-hmm. that those moments of silence feel more exciting because I yeah. think you're accentuating the sort of blast the from contrast. the contrast. Yeah. yeah, you kind of notice it more, just like colors too. You know, the darks can bring out the lights. Guys, I would love to hear the context if anyone knows this God-shattering star in-game. What's what's happening here? Is yeah, this, this the is actually boss? a shop theme? <laughs> It's very God-shattering, isn't it? All right, guys, we're going to play you out with just a bit of this piece called A Star in the Morning Sky, one of the final pieces in the game. And it's nice. I thought this would be fitting later on in this piece, guys. You're going to hear the main Fire Emblem series Tsujioka theme uh, as we kind of send you on your way. So enjoy that. This is A Star in the Morning Sky. Again, the composers we have for Three Houses, we have Takeru Kanazaki, Hiroki Morishida, and Rai Kondo. They did an outstanding job. And this wraps up Nintendo Month. It's always sad to see it go, but this is a very strong month this year. Yeah, and we're 
very fast approaching our 400th episode, mm-hmm. which is um, insane to think about how long we've been doing this podcast. I we mean, have a really fun thing planned. So yeah, we're we nearing, I mean, I don't know. It's, it won't be before long. We'll have been doing this podcast for 10 years, which that's insane. Seems too long. <laughs> <laughs> we also are very excited for MAGFest coming up. Uh, yes. we, we're going to have a panel. We're going to be featured panelists again this year at MAGFest. So we can't wait to see all of you listeners that might be going. I think there's a few people on our discord that were saying that they're going to be going this year that maybe haven't gone before and we want to mention again our discord uh, we've gotten a couple questions and requests from people um is discord still a thing is that mm-hmm. a community still yes oh, it's a thing uh, <laughs> if you would like to be invited to our discord channel send us an email um to supermarcado bros at gmail.com or yes. you can use the contact page on our website supermarcado we'll send you a link yeah, uh, and we'll do that. We probably won't make it public on Facebook or anything, but mm-hmm. so yeah, just shoot us an email. At time of recording, uh, this is Thursday morning, and tonight is going to be the listening party for my album, to, and then followed by the release on Bandcamp. When you're listening to this, it's already available, yeah, so head so on over to our site. And then Inflector. I, I have uh, something that I wanted to plug too. Ooh. Um, my girlfriend Emma and I. Uh, you have music releasing yeah a new project we do you know what uh, you have a title well yeah we are sort of band name is called ember willow Mm -hmm. and uh, we have a five song ep that's going to be coming out probably within a month Mm -hmm. and hopefully by the time you're listening to this uh the first single from it beautiful girl will Mm. be available so we'll probably post a link to that and uh yeah uh you can i've heard it live yeah you can go to (laughs) emberwillow.com um and that will take you to our band so self-titled EP? Um, no, the EP is going to be called Spell of Someone. It's just five mm. songs, sort of eclectic, Very sort of cool. like soul pop. Recorded really that, fun. Uh, fun fact, at Marty's studio. Yeah, we wrote the songs together and we performed them together. So it, it's we're really happy and I can't excited wait to hear with it, dude. how they turn. And we got the songs mastered by this guy, Gavin Lurison in Los Angeles, who's like mm. amazing and works on like the highest profile stuff. Wow. So it's, they That's they awesome. sound just great. And yeah, we had a blast going to Honeytone and recording these. And yeah, it, Emma sings lead on all of them and mm. she has an amazing voice. So yeah, we're excited for people to hear what we've been cooking up. I imagine there's some beautiful harmonies. That's what, that's one of your strongest suits is, is harmonies. Isn't From it? time to time. I don't know. <laughs> I remember just I, when I think of Will, like as long as I can remember you were just always singing harmonies. I'm just, I'm more excited for you just to hear the songs and some of the production. And mm-hmm. particularly there's a couple songs that, you know, the parts I was playing, I was thinking like, oh, I think Carl's really going to like this. Awesome. So, well, excited. guys, check out Inflector and be on the lookout for Will and Emma's album coming soon. I think that's about it. We're going to play you out with A Star in the Morning Sky. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.